the rivalry is back on. 1% better every day and 1-0. The set is the quarterback lined up behind center, takes a snap, going for a home run deep downfield, looking for T.Y. Hilton. Hilton makes the catch. He's at a 10, 5, stumbles in the end zone, touchdown. Both coming with pressure off the edge. Kenny Moore gets to Deshaun Watson. That's a sack for Kenny Moore. Kenny has a pick and now a sack in the game. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. Welcome back to the Cody Fogger podcast on with me, special guest and my coworker, Eric Seaman. Eric, how you doing from roster guy? I'm sorry. I forgot to say that from roster guy, Eric, how you doing? I'm doing great. Just got back from uh, musical rehearsals. I'm in a local musical production. So I'm um, okay, happy cool. to be happy to bond with you after doing musical stuff for three hours. I'm glad to talk football <laughs> with you. Yeah, dude, me too. It's it's been kind of one of those days. So for those of you uh, who are listening to the podcast, you don't know what I do. I work with kids at a church uh, up in northern Indiana. And so it's been a good day. We had programming tonight. So I've been here since 9 a.m. And um, so, yeah, I've been here about 12 hours, 12, 13 hours. So um, but Eric, uh, I wanted to talk first about obviously the Colts played their first regular season game, uh, fell short. But the offense, Colts offense looked pretty good. Um, and I wanted to start by talking a little bit about your impressions of this 2019 Colts offense. So, yeah. So um, for those of you who don't know, I actually, I host the roster guy podcast um, and I did my first, we did our first ever preview um, game preview um, that launched on Sunday morning, right before the, uh, the game kicked off. Um, and uh, we had, did a couple predictions. I wanted to do a, a score prediction and then some other prediction for the show. And I actually predicted on that, preview that the Colts wouldn't turn the ball over in Los Angeles. And, um, really the closest that they got, um, was a fumbled snap, um, from, uh, between Ryan, Ryan Kelly and Jacoby Brissett that Brissett then immediately recovered. Um, so, uh, I was pretty happy about that. Um, as far as ball control, uh, other than that, uh, you know, it didn't really see a bad pass from Brissett. Um, you know, he went 21 of 27, um, had 190 yards, which is not explosive, but that's a decent amount of, of yardage. And he had a couple of touchdowns that, uh, second half of that game really reminded me of the movie, uh, blindside, uh, when, uh, Leanne Tui, who's portrayed by Sandra Bullock calls the head coach during the middle of the game. And he goes, run the dang ball. <laughs> uh, Mac ended up the game with end of the game with 25 carries for a league leading 174 yards along with a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, Looking over to receiver T.Y. Hilton, as he does oftentimes look unguardable uh, at moments, had eight catches, 84 yards, and a couple scores. Um, and that catch by T.Y. Uh, with 38 seconds left in the game, where he ran that drag route to the left side of the field, caught it mm. in stride. Defensive back missed the tackle. Thomas Davis, who's usually a pretty sound tackler, overpursued on the play. And Hilton stopped on a dime to scoot up the field for 19 yards yeah. and six points. Very impressive to be able to fly across the field like that and then stop that quickly shows me two things. First of all, Hilton's ankles, um, in my opinion, are some of the best in the league. And while the Mike Evans, Julio Jones mold of receivers um, really is, is is highly coveted in the NFL because of their size and their catch radius, um, you know, I'd find it hard to believe that they could do what Hilton did on that play. And it's because of his size. While he's not big, he's about five nine, five ten, or somewhere on there. 
you know, there's so much value in being able to make a play like that where you can just stop real quickly and reverse field or go cut up field. Looking at the offensive line, lastly, um, you know, the Luna, you, you know, they gave up two sacks, which is probably about how many I thought they'd give up against a line that features, you know, a duo like Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. Um, mm-hmm. But Cody, was it just me or did the offensive line play significantly better in the second half? Oh, absolutely. And, and that's one thing I wanted to touch on. Um, and we're kind of going out of order, but that's okay. I didn't really have any specific order for these questions, but Marlon Mack, man, you know, first half, I think he had around 20 yards in the second half. He had 150 yards. So he ended about 170 yards. Holy smokes. That offensive line, man, they, they stepped it up in the second half. I remember it was just like some people were even asking me, what is wrong with the offensive line in the first half? Cause they couldn't move the ball. They couldn't really protect Jacoby Brissett that much. And it just seemed like there was something off of that offensive line. Uh, but it was really good to see them kind of get back into that dominant form that we saw last year. Um, and I think it's something to do, you know, I've talked about this a few times and I had Zach Hicks of StampyBlue.com, a friend of the show, on to kind of talk about the change of the philosophy of the offensive line. Um, and that really is, in particular, the pass blocking where, where it is about, you know, dominating your opponent instead of letting your opponent, dropping back and letting your opponent come to you. Um, and he said there will be probably some you know growing pains with that, but that's kind of the philosophy that uh, Chris Strausser, the new offensive line coach, has. And I think it just took a while to shake off the rust for some of those players um, and just kind of get into a new system, a system that most of them aren't used to. Um, but it was really good, Eric, to see Marlon Mack and, and this offensive line really dominate the second half, especially against a really good Charger defense. Yeah, and there were moments where um, you know they were lined up in – um, I would say in 11 personnel, but they were in shotgun and it'd be second and six or third and six. And they would call a run. I'm like, what are you doing? And then he'd gain seven yards. Um, right. And a lot of times he would not be touched until about two yards after the initial line of scrimmage. So that, you know, that, that tells me that, um, you know, they really get into a groove and that they were obviously very confident in their ability to pick up um, those big chunk yard, chunk play. I'm sorry. Um, chunk yardage plays. And, and yeah, they, I mean, they had a lot of plays where they were, you know, it was first and 10 and they would get five or six yards and then they do it again and they pick up a first down. It was a great way um, to show that and really give a lot of confidence to Jacoby that, you know, he can go out there and he can really control a game and make sure that the other team does not have the ball uh, more than they should. Yeah. And, and that was something, um, Eric, that I was really kind of, this is something that I took note of. So in the Andrew Luck era, if the Colts were going for two, they were passing the ball like nine out of 10 times. Mm-hmm. Like that yep. wasn't even a question. Obviously, you know, Andrew Luck, we can't, we won't, you know, um, sugarcoat it. Andrew Luck is a better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. He was a better quarterback. Um, but with that, Jacoby Brissett's no slouch. Like he played very, very well. Um, but I think it was telling of how dominant this offensive line was, Eric, um, that they were willing to, on that two-point conversion, run the football and score because they just knew. Like, I, I, It was kind of just like something with Frank Reich's philosophy where it's like you just, you just keep using the hot hand, right? You got that, that run inside works. Let's run it again until they can stop you. Um, you know, and that's something that I've noticed with Frank Reich in the first two years is like, why would we stop doing something that works? And you, you know, it's, it's basically that attacking mode that Frank Reich likes to call plays with is like, we're going to dare them to stop us. Like we're going to impose our will on this defense. And that is something that Frank Reich and this offense really, I think really took into stride, especially in that game in the second half. They're like, they can't stop us in the interior. Let's just keep running it. And uh, that was something really encouraging to see. But Eric, obviously, 
Um, there's always going to be some negatives in the game on both sides. Um, what were some of the negative things on offense that you think really need to improve um, as the Colts uh, travel? I think they travel to Tennessee. So what do the Colts need to clean up on offense um, if they hope to beat the Titans in week two? So on offense, um, I mean, really, I can't think of, I mean, I, I, you know, giving up two sacks, you know, for an offensive line that only gave up, you know, 16 all of last year. Um, I mean, on offense, I can't really think of much. The biggest thing, obviously, is probably the kicking game. Um, mm-hmm. my, and f- so for the offense, that's, that's my thing. Uh, as far as, you know, the, the Colts are playing Adam Vinatieri good money. Um, he's going to be, but he, he's been in the NFL for a while. Um, you know, he could be, he could actually be a legitimate father for about half the Colts roster. He's going to be 47 um, by Christmas time. Um, it was weird seeing him struggle like this, um, but I'm not worried long-term. I mean, every kicker has his bad day. Um, I can't, and honestly, I, and I really can't stand fans who are yelling for him to be cut because of one bad game. You know, he's been money for us for 13 years. I think he'll be fine. I read today, you know, he, he watched his tape and he has identified some mechanics that he, that he's going to adjust. And he's actually going to do a little bit more work this week, have an extra kicking day. Um, and the, the problem wasn't the distance. So I'm not sure why people are, are saying like, Oh, he's getting old. We need to cut him. Like there, there was no problem. Like, it's not like his leg was giving out on him as far as distance. It was just, you know, curved to the left or the right those three times. So I, I'm sorry. I don't want to hear about his, his age. And the thing is, and people might forget that he didn't really play too much. I don't, I don't think he played during the preseason. So he probably just had a little bit of rust. And you're going to have that even for a guy who's had his his much um, the amount of exposure that he's had to the NFL game over the years. So I'm not worried about the kicking game. Yeah, for sure. So obviously the offense, uh, they improved a lot from the first half to the second half. Um, but I think for me, Eric, it's just like that consistently, consistently bringing it from snap one till snap, whatever, um, bringing the consistency every single snap on offense and not fizzling out not having to settle for field goals. You know, it's just those those third downs, I think was the biggest thing for me. The Colts need to be better on third down. And I don't I don't have a number in front of me what they were on third down, but it seemed like in the critical moments, um, on offense and on defense, you know, the Colts weren't the greatest on third down. So I could definitely see third down being a thing that needs to improve um in week two. Um obviously no team is perfect, so it's always a work in progress there. Um okay, so well, the last thing that I have here for us, Eric, um, is so obviously wide receiver Devin Funches went down, um, jumping for a jump ball. I think I can't remember what it was exactly for for the injury, but um, he's out. He got placed on injured reserve. He's out for at least I believe this eight weeks, so he can make his return around week ten. Um, but in the meantime, there's going to be some guys who have to step up, and uh, what does that mean? for the other wide receivers on this roster and who do you think has the best chance to step up and kind of fill the void um, left by Funches? So I was actually, um, I, I left work at five today and rehearsal starts at six and I w- came home and I popped on the TV for a few minutes to relax. And they actually had the, the replay of that game and that play, it was actually at the very end. It was that final drive during regulation for the Colts. It was a couple of plays before Hilton made that catch that we were talking about earlier. And mm-hmm. um, you could actually see, I could actually see where the, the, the identity of that play was going. Cause you could see that Funches, who's a huge guy, six foot four got to the outside of his, of his guy on the left side of the field. And they were probably about 20 yards. Uh, they were just within the, uh, the red zone. 
and he just came down and I could tell the way he landed and he just kind of laid there. I got like, I'm pretty sure he just fractured his clavicle. And so he got mm-hmm. up and you could tell he was not laying his, his hand down at his side because he couldn't bear to have all that weight from his arm stressing on that part of his body. Um, you know, but as far as um, what this injury means, um, you know, it really just kind of depends week by week. That's why I love about this team. I've said it countless times on the on the Ross Guy podcast is that this team is so uh, like it, they can go out there and essentially come up, come out with a different team, have the same players, but really have a different team every week. Um, I mean, if, you know, if you told me going into the Chargers game, you know, early Sunday afternoon that Zach Pascal would have the third most snaps for the Colts receivers and that Tress Rogers would have zero. I would have scoffed, scoffed at you, but that, that appears to have been, you know, the, what the game plan was going in, into each half. Um, obviously a lot of that had to do with the fact that, you know, Zach Pascal is arguably our best, uh, our best um, run blocking receiver. Um, but obviously this means more opportunities for Deion Kane, um, who's going to be the team's number two guy now after Hilton. I think he could really thrive in that role. Um, cause he has, I mean, do you, I mean, I remember that catch he had, I think it was on our first drive where he uh, went right through Casey Hayward's hands and he was somehow able to keep his concentration yeah. on it. He was able yeah. to snag it in. I mean, Dion Kane has all the makings to be a legitimate number two guy on a, on a team. Um, now I do expect, um, tight end Eric Ebron to get some more snaps too. Um, he is not what you would call a traditional tight end. He is kind of that. Um, that more of a receiving threat. And he actually didn't get see a lot of playing time against the Chargers. You really saw Jack Doyle uh, receive a, most of the number one tight end snaps for this game. But considering Ebron's uh, skill set as that big body receiving threat, we could see him split away from the offensive line several times against Tennessee. Um, I really look forward to see how they're going to use him um, against, against Tennessee, especially with uh, they have an, an all-pro safety in Kevin Byard who could um, really give Ebron some fits. Yeah, for sure. I know the tight ends didn't get super involved in week one, um, but they were obviously a huge factor last year um, You know, with Eric Ebron, with Mo Alley-Cox a little bit. Jack Doyle, when he was in the lineup, was pretty effective. Um, and also, you know, Jack Doyle also has a more of a history with Jacoby Brissett than I would say any of these um, any of these receivers on the team right now. And, yeah, and T.Y. 20- yeah, T.Y. and Jack Doyle back in 2017 were by far his two favorite targets, if I remember right. Correctly. And that that was the year that Jack Doyle made the Pro Bowl, and that was also the year where I think he recorded the second most receptions of a Colts tight end in, in Colts history um, with AD, and he also had 690 yards and four touchdowns. So he's got some rapport there with Jack Doyle, and, and I think with the loss of Funchess, yes, it'll give guys like Kane, guys like Pascal, who maybe even guys like Chester Rogers another chance, um, but it'll also give more of the tight ends more of a chance as well to make an impact. So um, it's going to be an interesting thing to see how the Colts fill the void. They definitely have a lot of talent there. Um, so the drop-off won't be significant. I don't think, I think it still will be felt obviously. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I'm not too worried because Frank Reich has a lot at his disposal. Um, and I think he knows how to use that well. And so, and the good news is Devin Funches is going to be back at some point this season. Mm-hmm. Um it's not a it's not a season-ending injury, so you know down the road if the Colts are finding themselves battling for a playoff spot, Devin Funches can come back and provide some more juice on the offensive side. Well, um, thanks, Eric. I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you coming on talking about um, everything Colts and about the Colts offense. And uh, yeah, man, it's going to be an exciting week two. Um, obviously, Tennessee had a really good game in week one, um, but we also know that the Colts have pretty much owned Tennessee for 
since Andrew Luck was drafted, really since 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be interesting to see now. Jacoby Brissett never beat Tennessee. So it'll be interesting to see now with this revamped Colts team um, if they can pull it out there in Nashville. So thanks, Eric, and I appreciate you, man. Where can we find your work? So um, I've, I've, I do – I focus more on the podcast uh, for Roster Guy more than anything now. That kind of takes over my time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, on Twitter you can follow me. Um, I'm at Colts Commentary. Um, and I actually just came out with – I come out with an article every now and then. I actually have a writing background um, outside of Roster Guy. I used to work for a newspaper. Um, hmm. but, uh, I actually just came out with a article like a few days ago, uh, for roster guy regarding some players to watch out for that the Colts could might be looking to sign next off season. Um, that took me a few days, some, a lot of research. Um, but you can find that at rosterguy.com. Uh, and then for the roster guy podcast, you can subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple podcasts. All right. Well, sounds good, Eric. Well, thanks, man, for coming on. Appreciate you. And yeah, we'll look forward to an exciting game for week two. Go Colts. Go Colts.